This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode three of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast dedicated to examining each and every life through the lens of the hero's journey, that by examining other people's stories, it can help enrich our own stories, because after all, we are all the stars of our own show. And finding ways to be happy and live a life of excitement, enrichment, and growth occurs on the training grounds of our very ordinary lives. This week, we're talking to Nancy Broden, the creator, owner, and operator of The Artful Donut, a local donut place in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that really is quite a unique option there are other places that do this but this is the only one i've ever seen and essentially you get to build your own donuts as i call it in this podcast it's like a choose your own adventure for donuts so you get to select the toppings the icing all the different options you can find out more at theartfuldonut.com that is spelled d-o-u-g-h-n-u-t and They also have an excellent Facebook page where you can ask questions and look at their stuff. On Instagram, there are also a great many number of pictures of donut options. And again, it looks like a beautiful potpourri of donut artisanal goodness. I've had some people ask how they can support this project. And there are really three ways you can do it right now. Number one, the freest and quickest thing to do is to subscribe. That increases the downloads of the podcast and also increases the chance that Epic Ordinary Lives could rise in the ranks of iTunes. Secondly, you can write a review on iTunes. I had a podcasting friend quote to me the statistic that a lot of podcasts don't even get more than 10 reviews. I am currently sitting at two at the time of recording this, so those are like gold, and they are also free, and they essentially just require that you go to the iTunes page of Epic Ordinary Lives, and there will be a button that says, write a review. Finally, I have Amazon banners at the top of epicordinarylives.com of each episode's page. So if you click that Amazon banner, it will just take you to Amazon and you would shop as normal and I will get a small percentage of whatever it is you buy. So in that way, again, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just another opportunity to support the project. And if you would like to do that, if you'd like to do any of those things, they are so deeply appreciated. And not to mention just listening to this is such a a great honor. So thank you. If you keep listening to the end of this podcast, you might be interested in checking out the wonderful donuts at the Artful Donut. And I have partnered with Nancy Broden, the head honcho at Artful Donut, to offer a special promo code that would offer the ability to get buy one, get one free for up to three donuts And that code will be a thematic element that is discussed in this interview. And that will be available at the end of the podcast in the outro. So again, if you would like a discount, there will be a code word at the end of the podcast. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nancy Broden of The Artful Donut here on Epic Ordinary Lives. It is a overcast Friday in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I am sitting with Nancy Broden in the Artful Donut, a place that I have driven past many a time, and I wondered about it for a long time and and have kind of a fun adventure I had here. But first of all, what is the Artful Donut? 
Nancy. Hi. The Artful Donut is a donut shop in Murfreesboro that we've, we've been here for a year. And we make a cake donut from scratch, and then we top it however you want it. Rather than coming in and seeing a case full of donuts, you come in and see a board full of choices and some pictures to choose from if that helps you. And then we build it for you. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure of donuts. Yes. Our, our shorthand for it, we tell people we're the Subway but donuts. Okay, but yeah. Subway might not like us using that, but yeah. Yeah, no, but it's a great... I have never encountered that type of donut option before. Have Like, was that an idea that you had? We saw a shop like this. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking, and there are quite a few of them, but they're sort of scattered. I would say there's more of them toward the East Coast beach areas. The concept is just fun, and it was something that I hadn't seen around here, so I thought it would be something that people would enjoy. And I think if you look on Instagram and you see, you know, there's a lot of donut places, mm -hmm. like this whole artisanal thing that's going on. Places like Asheville, North Carolina have these cool, weird flavors, but you sometimes look and go, man, I wonder what would happen if you combined this and this. And, and what I love about this is the ability for you as the person that walks in to have that choice. So, and, and really, I'll tell my story of, of how I, the first time I walked into the Artful Donut, which was like a year ago. So, it had to have been weeks or something after. I think it was in February. When did y'all open? We opened January 15th. Okay. Wow. So, like almost probably exactly a month later. Uh, it was an early Friday morning in one of those days when I was a teacher, I would have been looking on the news to see what school closings were, were happening and everywhere was closed. But as a pharmaceutical sales rep, I still had incentive to go out and work. There, there's no, uh, there's no governing body that says stay at home uh, to, to keep yourself safe. So I drove out a little bit and the snow was beginning to pile onto the street, like fairly rapid rate. And it got to the point where I was kind of sliding on the road. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go home because this is starting to get dangerous. But on the way, I passed the Artful Donut. I said, man, I've been I've been thinking about the Artful Donut for ever since I've seen the sign mm -hmm. pop up. And I walked in and I basically got y'all's advice on what choices to do. I mean, I had a plethora. I think I had six donuts that I walked out with. And everything from maple bacon types of situations to vanilla chocolate chip. And I took them back to my apartment where uh, my cousin and his now wife and brother also were. Mm -hmm. And basically, we hold up, watch the snow come down and eat these awesome donuts that looked like something that we should have put on Instagram because they were beautiful. <laughs> so again, ever since that day, <laughs> about a year ago, almost to the day, I, I have wanted to talk to you about this place. And really, that's where I'd like to, to kick off next. I mean, it says on your website that you wanted to be your own boss. And what sweeter business than donuts so with lots of encouragement from her husband and sons, Nancy launched the Artful Donut with the intention of bringing Murfreesboro a revolutionary donut experience. So take us back. Like, what was the origin story? We're now sitting in a real building, but at one point this had to have just been a, a dream. Probably more of a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. I came out of a journalism background and had watched newspapers downsize downsize and you know you sit in your chair and wait for the next round and see if you're going to survive it yes and after a while that's not much fun so i was looking for something else to do and i would look at different businesses and think maybe that maybe that looked at franchises always talked myself out of it thinking yeah it really wasn't something i would like to do so we were on vacation in Anna Maria island which is south of tampa mm -hmm. south of tampa bay and we had stayed there several times because my in-laws lived nearby and one of our trips there was a donut shop and there had never been a donut shop on the island so we walked over there to see what was what what it was like and it was this concept where they had a plain cake donut and then your choice of glazes and toppings and things and they built it for you and we were like well, that's kind of cool we'd never seen that before but what got my attention which is because i was looking at it a little differently than everybody else was that one man was running this shop by himself and I looked at that and I went, 
we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's kind of what got it started in my head. We went back to Annemarie Island a year later because we always went annually on vacation. And at that time I went, they were really busy. And they had like four people working at the same time and a line out the door. And it was obviously a very popular place for people on the island. It's a little different there because they have almost a, a captive audience. And it's constantly turning over because most of the island is rentals. Built in. So they have a built-in of, market. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, they probably never had to run an ad. <laughs> <They> yeah. <did. laughs> so, But I was trying to look at what they did and what I could take away from it. I'm looking at their equipment. I'm looking at do they use mixes. We're looking for name brands. Anything that would give me clues that I could go back and research. In addition to just trying the donuts and sampling. What sure. Re- like you said, research yeah. and development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. We talked to them a little bit about what they did and why didn't they have one in Tennessee? Because at that time we were still kind of like, hey, we just wish we had, could get your donuts. And they said they were actually looking at franchising. So I waited for them to do that. But while I did, I was researching all these other shops that I found on the East Coast who do that. Duck donuts, fractured prune, shore good donuts, several places that do the same kind of concept, mostly beach areas, I think. And I looked at franchises and thought maybe because that would be the easy way into it for me, because I have no background in restaurants. <laughs> but um finally decided it would be more fun to just do my own, mm-hmm. because then I wouldn't have to worry about whether somebody else wanted me to put bananas on my donut. I could do it if I wanted to. I wouldn't have any franchise rules or money to worry about. So that's kind of how we landed here, where we are. We, let's see, I found a website. It was a baker who wrote a blog. He made donuts in his shop, and he put his vanilla donut recipe up. I tried it, and then I started tweaking it because it wasn't quite what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I'd say I made donuts five or six times at home with variations on his recipe before I got one that my teenager liked, and that was kind of my criteria. That was my first threshold. Yeah. And then I tweaked a little more until my my husband's coworkers liked it, and then I thought, okay, I'm good. So then it was getting all of this stuff the the shop organized and we let's see started with the idea talked to an attorney who was a friend of my husband's got some advice from him he sent me recommended an accountant accountant recommended a realtor the realtor recommended contractors those contractors were too big but they recommended other people and and one of the people they recommended was the guy who ended up supplying all my equipment and he drew the floor plan for me so it was sort of a being handed off from person to person, but it worked out great because everybody answered questions that I needed answered. Sometimes they told me things I didn't know I didn't know. Yeah. There's a lot of things to learn when you're coming from a, com- a computer in a cubicle doing editing or design and then going to running a shop. You know, food rules and health department issues that you wouldn't... I never knew that grease traps existed. <laughs> right, and now um, you very, very much do know. Yeah, so things like that that, you know, I had to learn. But it seemed like every time I had a question, there was somebody who could send me to the right person. So I felt really fortunate that I got a good stream of people that kind of got me along. That included city and county officials. They were great. You know, I walked in and said, hey, I want to sell donuts. What do I have to do? And they kind of say, well, you need to go here, then go here, then go here. And it was pretty simple. We farmed out our logo because my design skills do not extend to logos. I learned that really quick because I tried to do it myself and I was really bad. But um, we took this to a guy named Bryson Walker. I gave him the name of the shop, told him what we wanted to do, and he came up with our logo. From that, we took the color scheme and designed everything else. And just to give folks an idea, the let's describe the, the logo. Well, our colors are essentially sort of an aqua colored teal blue somewhere in there, and orange, and then a little bit of tan. And the logo has like half a donut. The top half is the word artful in script, and then the bottom half is a donut with orange sprinkles, and it has the word donut around it. And this is really the the first thing I saw, you know, driving by was that, so the sign really did have an impact on uh, attracting me to the place, at least. I like it a lot. I think it makes us look really professional, which was funny because I was such a rookie, but the but the logo is so professional looking that we have people come in frequently and say, are y'all a franchise? Wow. Because they 
that makes us look professional and it's like, cool. And I guess we are professional, but I still don't think of it that way because because I'd never run a restaurant, never worked in a restaurant. Well, I did two days, but I was really bad at it. <laughs> it was a long time ago. A lot of the things in here, we just put together on the fly, like the, the panels on the front counter. I was in an art store one day, saw some handmade paper and thought, hey, and it has circles. We can make it look like donuts. And, wow. you know, that's all it took. We took the pictures and made up our own signs, grabbed a chalkboard, because that seemed like the easiest thing for signage. But every now and again, somebody will say, I wish y'all had something. And we think, we could do that. We started out, we didn't have photos of our donuts. And people said, I really wish you had pictures, because that would help me choose. So we came up with some favorites and put them up. Okay, yeah. Like, we're just looking at it. There's tart me up. (laughs) Sweet on bacon. Do you have another example of one of those where someone basically said, man, I wish you had, because that's a great example right there of, of just kind of them giving you what you needed, the, the people, your your customers. Do you have another example? Well, we've had people come in and ask for a specific topping, and it would be something we hadn't thought about. The, the chocolate Elvis was actually a customer's creation. And I had been playing with the idea of an Elvis donut because I had seen variations on it at other places. And then when they ordered that, I thought, that looks really good. So we tried it, and we said, that is really good. So we started looking up Elvis. And, you know, bananas and peanut butter were his thing. Right. So it's like, okay, we're putting ours on chocolate because we like it that way. And so we have a chocolate Elvis. We we added little gift boxes because we had somebody wanted to take donut to someone as a gift and wanted it to look nice. And we're like, okay, good idea. So we... And I'm curious because one of the things you talk about is that you did not have a a background in this. And I think a lot of people have a dream or have something they want to go for, but then they they go, well, I, I don't have a background. And then they maybe do a little bit of investigating like you did and you start to learn. It reminds me of learning uh, German when I was in high school. And at first you go, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to totally learn German by the end of this. And then you start learning what you don't know, what you said. You 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 don't know what you don't know. And then you see, oh my gosh, there's gender pronouns for every single noun. The conjugations change depending on if it's present. The point being, you you see how much more, how bigger the world is than you thought it was. And yet you kept going and you created a snowball effect and you kept Kind of having people say, no, talk to this person. But anything you would say to that person who, because that is a, was that a challenge at that point, trying to get this thing going? Well, about, let me think, in April of 2015, I quit my job. So at that point, it was real. <laughs> mm, okay. And that was sort of, that's how I've always sort of done things when I wanted to make a decision and was struggling with actually moving on it, I kind of tend to take my safety net away and then I have to do it. Right. That was my approach. So I quit my job. It was an opportunity to like spend some free time, like just digging into things. I discovered really quickly that the rest of the world does not work as fast as a newsroom works. (laughs) Cause in my mind, I could be up and running in about four to six weeks. Not so much. It took four to six weeks just to get somebody to answer a phone call sometimes. Sure. (laughs) Okay. It took at least that long just to find a place that we were going to be. Right. A venue. Right. A location, a space that was available that this one came with a grease trap. So that was a selling point. But the idea of, you know, how would it be laid out? I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know what a three compartment sink was. Now I do. Now I use it every day. (laughs) But I didn't know I needed one. So. Yeah, we worked with an equipment guy at a store, and he basically looked at the space, took measurements, and laid it out, and then let me tweak. So I had a working plan. It worked out really well, but I, if, if I were on my own, we'd still be trying to figure it out. Without all the resources and help and contacts and... Yeah. And the, and the guy who did it for me actually used like a, a CAD-type program to lay it out. So it looked okay. really cool. And when I went to the planning department to get my permits done, they were impressed because I actually had real architectural looking drawings. Sure. And they said, most people just come in with like a hand-drawn sketch. <laughs> so I was like, cool, I feel so professional. So every now and again, I, I would get lucky and get it right. Well, 
I don't know that we had any really bad mistakes along the way. You know, occasionally we would run into things that we forgot. We, you know, when we first got started, I forgot that the donut fire needed a table to sit on. <laughs> Fortunately, that's something you could fix relatively quickly. Sure. The day before, let me think, two days before we opened, we were supposed to have our health inspection because you have to have one right before you open. And we had grease in the fryer and it was cold. And we turned the fryer on to, to do something and didn't realize the valve on the bottom was open. So all the grease in the fryer, fryer went into the floor. Oh, no. And it was like an hour before the health inspector was supposed to come. And there was no way we were getting it off the floor that fast. So I just called and rescheduled her for the next day. And my son and I got on our hands and knees and we kind of let it harden. And then we scraped oil up for like hours. So we didn't make that mistake again. <laughs> it was really bad. Until you learn. Oh, yeah. Do you feel, so you came from a newsroom and you, you <laughs> talked about how the pace there is different, but it makes me wonder, were there any skill sets that kind of you wouldn't traditionally think would apply here, but that, that did make you highly prepared for this? I don't know. I mean, I guess being organized and, and being accustomed to handling time pressure because deadlines, you know, you get down to the crunch time every night at a newspaper and you get kind of used to handling it. So even when we get a little backed up, and sometimes there are people standing in line or something. You know, for the most part, it doesn't get to me too much because it's not that big of a stretch from deadline pressure at a newspaper and deadline pressure of a different kind here. Occasionally, the donuts act up, whether it's a change in the weather or maybe it's a little warmer or cooler than usual in the kitchen, and that stresses me out more than anything. By and large, I, you know, this is so much more fun. Than what you were doing. Yes, because I was in a cubicle, and most of the time my interaction with other people was either through a messaging on the computer or maybe a phone call. And now I see faces, and I get to watch kids have fun, and it's kind of more entertaining. And I meet people and talk to them and find out where they work and what they do, and it's kind of fun to hear other people's stories. You're part of a community now, more more so, or an actual uh, living, breathing community versus yes. uh, virtual. And it's fun because we have regulars who come in, and you get to know them, and you get to know what they like, and it's fun to see them. We look up, and we'll see a car, and go, "Oh, that's so and so." Yeah. Or we we sometimes we know them by what they order. <laughs> sure, sure. There's the the chocolate Elvis Pretty guy much. there. I go, who <laughs> there literally is a chocolate Elvis guy yeah. out there somewhere. Yeah. Well, that's a, a good place to. When anytime you you go on a quest like this and you you set this goal and you you end up pulling it off, what things having done this, having created the artful donut, managing the artful donut, are there aspects of that? Are there are there positive aspects that follow you? You talked about getting to visit with people. What are are the things about this that most bring you joy? I just like watching families. They're fun. They come in and we have we have colors and colored pencils. We have coloring books. We frequently have things on the wall that they can pull down and color. Like this month we're doing or for February, we're doing hearts so people can come and they can color whatever they want inside their heart and then just pin it back up. And after people have been in, we will come out and kind of look and talk about the different things people have drawn. We did Christmas sweaters before this, and that was entertaining because you go and see what people drew on their sweaters and. So it was kind of fun to see what people came up with. And it's fun for the people who come in because then there's something for them to look at and it's always changing. Oh, yeah. And it's built in, created, generated by the people that, that right. come here. And so the people who have been in and, and know the routine will come in and the kids will look up and go, oh, can I color? And the parents are like, you know, yeah, we can sit down for a while. It's fine. And then the kids know to go grab one off the wall and grab the colors and get after it. And then they'll go hang their colors back up. And so that's kind of fun. It's just a little bit interactive. Um, at other times, we get like school art classes will provide art for us. Krista's our assistant. She her mom is an art teacher, and oh, she cool. she occasionally would bring in some of her kids' stuff, and we'd frame it and put it up. We have like a art hanging thing, and we could put all kinds of things up. When it's just the coloring things, we used use clothespins. But other times, we have hangers that we can hang framed art up. So it's Kind of give us some options. 
And it, it's very simple and it, it's not, you know, a huge complicated thing. But in that way, you're bringing more than just donuts. You're also bringing kind of, again, a community fixture, a place where the kids know they're going to get to eat bananas, chocolate, and <laughs> peanut butter. But they're also going to get to check out the, the cool, like, like, I get to add my own contribution to that wall as well. Yeah. And a lot of times we laugh because the parents will bring the kids in and the parents are very excited about the concept. And they think, oh, the kids are going to love this. They're going to make their own donuts. And the kids will beeline it for the colors. And they grab colors and a coloring book and sit down. And the parents can't get them back to the counter to choose a donut because they're so like, I'm in a color. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. I mean, the kids tend to like the donuts. We did actually add some kids' favorites to the bottom of our pictures because we kept seeing the same things over and over again. And that simplifies it. Put them up there, give it a name. And then kids can just point. And it's a lot faster for them. Okay, yeah, very cool. You're talking about the donut selections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's there's three down there. What are those three? We have the Major Mini. It's got chocolate icing with sprinkles and M&Ms. We have the Baby Henson, which has vanilla icing, sprinkles, and marshmallows. And then we have the Pinky Swear, which has strawberry glaze and sprinkles. And the Baby Henson was actually created by a little girl who comes in with her parents, and their last name is Henson. Okay, I was wondering if it was a Jim Henson <laughs> connection of some no, kind. No, no. But even stuff like that, like putting the kids' choices down at eye level, these are these are super intelligent, but you, it just sounds like you just kind of figured that out as you were... Somebody recommended it to me. Okay. They said, you know, you should have kids' stuff at the bottom. The only thing we did that we probably could have done better was that we the pictures are smaller because we were putting three of them next to each other across the bottom. And people will ask us, are the donuts the same size? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. So yeah, they're closer to actual size than the other ones are, but... It's not a happy meal of donuts. You know, it, it is a full Whopper level. I guess we shouldn't be talking using <laughs> McDonald's terms. but um, No, if we make mini donuts, it's by accident. True that. True that. Well, was there ever a time in this process where you, did, you weren't sure you were going to be able to pull it off? Where you were like, man, these obstacles. Because it, it just sounds like you just kind of systematically worked through these obstacles but was there ever a man this may not work out kind of moment oh you mean like yesterday <laughs> um no i think i like i said i pulled my safety net out from under me so that i had to do it because that's how i operate i work best when i don't have an option <laughs> which is bad since i you now run a business where i give people way too many options i hear that a lot that there are so many choices it's hard to pick a donut but I don't think I ever really thought it wouldn't happen. And maybe that was just being naive on my part. <laughs> but I just assumed it would work. To me, it wasn't a matter of, can I make this happen? But what do I have to do to make it happen? So I just kept going until it came together. And it was kind of cool when you started to see the pieces go in, when they put the, the vent hood up, it's just the big giant metal thing above the fryer. It was so cool. And they had to run all these tests on it. And it was like, I'm just fascinated. Fortunately, they all knew what they were doing because I didn't have a clue. But, you know, it all came together. And every now and again, we run across something that we wish we had done a little differently. But nothing that's a big obstacle. We think about things we'd like to tweak and change here and there. We add some flavors or move things around. But I feel like it kind of worked out pretty well. And that optimism, is that something that you've kind of always innately possessed or is that something that you've developed or have you earned it through battle and struggle i don't know i don't feel particularly optimistic i just i don't know i just assumed it would work because i'd seen you know looking at shops online talking to people who had been to some of the other shops it seemed like it worked where they were so why wouldn't it work here and that's one of the cool things about it that i think attracted me to it is that murfreesboro is not Nashville. We're working on it, and it is becoming cooler. Um, but it doesn't. It has not historically had those kind of crazy, weird, unique options that are available. And that's what I love of what you've done here, that, that it is available for folks here in Murfreesboro. I think that there's a market for it. And there are people here who, who like the idea that they get to be creative, and they get very creative. There are plenty of people who come in and, and just it bothers them that it's not the same as what they're used to. Mm, interesting. Like they I've, want more. We've had people and they're like, because there are not donuts pre-made in a case, they just kind of shake their head and walk away. 
and you know, and I have people come in frequently, more so at the beginning, but every now and again it still happens. And they will tell me they don't like cake donuts; they only like yeast donuts. Okay. And if I catch them before they wheel out the door, <laughs> we will offer them a free donut and say, "Here, try it and see what you think." And a lot of times we've had people go, "Well, that's different. That's not what I expected." Interesting. And it's because we don't make the same donut that everybody else makes. We came up with the recipe. It's from scratch. It's fairly simple, but it's a solid donut. And you can eat it with nothing on it, and it's good. That was my standard. The donut had to be good. I don't care what you wanted to put on it, but it had to be good without anything on it. Right. And it is. We have a few people who have figured that out. I've had people come in and just buy coffee and a plain donut. I've had people buy plain donuts by the dozen. Because they realize, okay, they taste just fine. I don't need to put anything extra on it. That was kind of what I wanted it to be. And then everything else is just, well, I don't want to say gravy because that sounds terrible. But it's just icing on the cake. Icing on there the donut, know. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, we still sit there and try to come up with new combinations or new possible toppings to add. We tried to do a little bit of seasonal stuff. We did pumpkin glaze around the holidays. We did cranberry glaze. Pumpkin glaze was fairly popular. Cranberry glaze, we could not get people to try. We liked it. <laughs> I love cranberry, so I will gladly, uh, the next, if that option ever it, arises it again. It was good, and it had this popping pink color, and it was just natural <sighs> because of cranberries, which was kind of neat because, you know, a lot of the colors tend to be tones of brown, so. But, um, I guess so. Yeah, chocolate, caramel, maple. Yeah, kind of in the same thing. Different shades of, yeah. Right. So we wanted things that were a little different. Sometimes it doesn't work. We've been trying to make an orange glaze, and we cannot make one that we don't think tastes nasty. <laughs> no matter what we put in it, whether it's, you know, orange juice, orange zest, orange flavoring, whatever, it always seems to be kind of weird. But we're getting there. We'll get, we'll figure it out eventually. Well, and the the whole fact that you made this recipe, you, you found one that you liked and you tweaked it, were you a cook particularly before just in um, your... I did a lot of home baking. My mom baked from scratch a lot, so I grew up on things that were not coming out of a box. And I will bake things out of a box. Brownies, I don't care if I make them from scratch or from a box. Sure. Yeah, same difference to me. But I can't stand boxed cake mix. I have to make my cakes from scratch. It's not that much, it's not that much extra work. A little bit of measuring and you're good. I had done a lot of baking. I had never made donuts. That was a little different. I baked donuts. I fried donuts. And now we do both because we fry our regular donuts and we bake our gluten-free. We do it both ways now. Um, different texture. Roughly the same taste, just a different texture. So you did have a, a skill set there. You you had man hours. You had cooking hours put in. But I think I hear that and I go, man, you made your own donut recipe. You created it because apparently it is good if it has the ability to sell plain without any of these toppings on it but some people might be intimidated by that idea that mm. i can't make a donut recipe but it sounds like you did <laughs> i just never questioned that i could do that part the food was never my my barrier mm -hmm. i just assumed i could make a donut i you know i'd make cookies and cakes and whatever for years so in fact the last few years that i worked in Nashville, in the uh, design studio at the newspaper, I did my own bake sale every December. And I would just go, I had every recipe that I had ever used that I liked. And I would make cupcakes and cookies and brownies and whatever I could think of. And spread it out in the newsroom and sold it. And then gave the money to the rescue mission in downtown Nashville. So that was like my thing. And it was like my one-man bake show. <laughs> one-woman bake show. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, but it kind of... I guess it was leading up to this in a way. Sure. Cause it was like, okay, how much can I do? Because that was like a two-day bacon. Bonanza. Yeah, exactly. I would just take my days off and bake all day long. And I would be so exhausted when I was done. And then I'd have to haul it all in there and set it up and sell it. But it was fun. And it was kind of like, okay, people would get all excited about my food. And I like that feeling. I like to feed people. When we opened, all I could... All I could compare it to was it felt like Thanksgiving. I like to host Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And I like to make everything from scratch on Thanksgiving. My cranberry sauce is from scratch. Bake my turkey. Make every all the vegetables. It has to be from scratch. I won't buy anything canned or frozen. That's my deal. And so the, when we opened, it felt like Thanksgiving Day. 
like I finally had everything prepped and, and all these people were coming and it was kind of cool. And it was exciting and it lasted 90 minutes <laughs> because the first thing we did on our first day was um, we got it got hectic and I left some batter in the mixer too long. So when we put the second batch in the fryer, instead of floating on down, they sank. And they clogged up the fryer, and we just had to shut everything down. You had to wait for it to cool. It takes it at least an hour and a half to cool down enough that you can touch it. So we just had to close and start over the next day. It's fun for me to, to feed people. And I guess that sounds a little strange, but it was something that I always liked doing. I was Seeing the look that. on their face when they when they try what you've you've put time into and and it's just it's fun for me it's like that's a project I love planning my Thanksgiving menu and figuring out my timing so I can get it all on the table at the same time and that's something that I've always enjoyed and so I just sort of took that premise to this and so to me when when we have customers and it gets busy it's like I feel like people have come over to visit and I'm feeding them. Yeah. You're just back at Thanksgiving at, at the in table. So you did have this skill set and this love. It sounds like that's a real passion for yep. you is love cooking. cooking. So you, you worked in this job and, and this was your, your paying day gig, but yet you had this thing that you loved that you, I mean, for a lot of people going, doing the Thanksgiving thing is a stressful sleep deprived. I mean, they may even love sections of it, but it sounds like you, we looked forward to it mm -hmm. yearly. So what, with that in mind, somebody that might be listening to this, assuming that anybody is listening <laughs> to this, uh, I would want to know what advice would you give them for if they wanted to be like you, if, if they want to be their own boss, if they may have an idea, if they may not have an idea, you can go wherever you would like with that. Well, I think it helps if you have a passion for it. Because if you're going to get tired of it after a month, then just don't bother. It's a lot of work. Ask lots of questions. There are people everywhere who will help if you just ask. And most of that, most of the help is free. I mean, people don't mind sitting down with you for an introductory kind of interview, no matter what business they're in. So whether it's an accountant who will walk you through, here's what all you're going to have to do and what I can help you with. You learn a lot from that interview in addition to finding out whether that's an accountant you might be comfortable with. So you have to ask people for help, which was not my comfort zone. I don't like to talk to people in general. I liked my little world in my cubicle. So this was sort of a, I'm not that social, I guess is what I would say. Sure. Food's probably my bridge. If I were in a different business and having to deal with customers every day, I don't know that I would feel as good about it. But because there's food involved, I like feeding people, so we're good. It's, it's like, your language in which you language. can. There yeah. you go. And I would say my other piece of advice would be to enjoy your free time before you jump, because once you start a business, you have none, at least for a while, because you're you're here. Anytime it's open, I'm here almost. Very seldom do I get to leave. I've done it a little bit, but I'm here every morning to start things off, and I'm usually here to close, which is why we don't have longer hours, because I really don't think I could do it. <laughs> it helps to know that you've got your funding in line. Because you may or may not make money starting out in any business. And I think that's true. But you have to have enough to keep yourself afloat until you can catch on. So that's that's my my lovely advice. I have a whole lot. No, and, and it comes from somebody that did it. You know, who you, you're doing it right now. You entered from a different field. You took the skill sets you had. You took the passion you had. And, and you built a thing that has kids' drawings on the wall. Um it's it's beautiful. And one of the things that I like to ask anybody is what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Because you're, you know, you, you've learned a lot in this process. Looking back, what, what advice would you give? You know, I don't know that I have any advice for my 18-year-old self because I feel like I, I muddled through and I did just fine. I've always had a certain comfort zone with taking chances. I quit my first job to go travel you know, because somebody else did it and I saw them do it and I thought, hey, that's cool. I can do that. Same thing with this. You know, it's like I see somebody do something that I find interesting or that I admire them for. And if it's enough that I would like to do it, I tend to jump. Now, once I got married and had kids, I had to be a little more careful about how I jumped. <laughs> but, but I don't know. 
I think being 18 and not having a clue is probably part of life. And I don't know that there's anything I would go back and tell myself. Maybe chill a little more. So, because I would worry about everything. And mm. you kind of would like to tell yourself, you know, it's going to work out. Just, just go with it. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, from, I've moved and lived in several states and different papers and got married, had kids, did the whole thing. And I tend to be somebody who just takes it in stride. Like I would be around other people who would get all nervous because they had kids or, you know, worrying about everything. And I was like, I had two older sisters who went through it. So I just thought, well, they got through it. I can do it. Yeah. You've got the blueprint. Pretty much. Where did you travel? That This is, this is such a... Oh. An incredible, I mean, if you want to talk about that, that's oh, no, not on the script, of course. It's quite fine. Um, I had a thing about Norway when I was probably college, early career, early 20s, somewhere there. Just really thought Norway was fascinating. I have no idea why. And decided I wanted to go. Discovered a program where you could go there and work on a farm. So I thought, how cool is that? I can go to Norway. It gives me a place to stay. And then I can kind of see what it looks like there. So I worked into that. I had worked at my first job for two years, and when I left, there was this profit-sharing thing, so I got a chunk of money. It wasn't a ton of money, but it was enough to get me to Europe. So got my plane, my one-way plane ticket and left, went over there. I think I worked on the farm maybe two and a half, three weeks before I decided that wasn't much fun anymore, <laughs> <laughs> and I really just wanted to travel, and I had brought a Eurail pass that I just mm -hmm. had to get it activated. So went and activated my URL pass and spent the next few weeks just roaming around Europe. I had met somebody, uh, her, she's from Holland, the Netherlands, excuse me. And she was doing the same thing I was doing. So when I was leaving the farm, she said, well, if you're leaving, I'm leaving because she wasn't going to stay there by herself. So we both just kind of traveled around. We saw a lot of Norway and then we went to the Netherlands and she showed me a lot of stuff there. And then it was cloudy a lot. Yeah. And... I decided I was going south until I found the sun, so I did. She had to go back to work, and I got on the train and went to Italy. Which is, they got sun there. They've, they got they've sun. Got, they've got some good sun there. And that, that was how I traveled. It was just, again, it was in fits and spurts, depending on whatever popped into my head or caught my attention. And I had a rail pass, so if you didn't want to spend you know, money on a place to stay. You just took an overnight train. Oh, wow. So you go into the train station and look at the train options and go, oh, if I go here, it's overnight. I can sleep on the train. <laughs> there you go. Built-in Airbnb right yes. there. <laughs> and, you know, you meet crazy people on the train. There was like a kid's soccer team, and they were on a train. Oh, goodness. In what country was I in? Right in Yugoslavia. And they didn't speak English, and I didn't speak whatever they spoke. But we both knew a little bit of Russian, and we tried that, and that didn't work very well. And then they knew Bruce Springsteen lyrics. <laughs> so we spent the whole train ride talking in lyrics, and it was hysterical. They didn't know what they were saying, but they could recite Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> the, the connecting language of humanity. It was really funny. But, you know, that was, that was I was 20, 24, I think, when I did mm -hmm. that. It was fun entertaining ate a lot of good stuff oh yeah how long <laughs> did you did this long it, how long was the adventure total i think overall it was maybe maybe six weeks okay between what we did in norway and then running around in the train you know at some point you kind of run out of money and you realize okay i probably should go home and find a job again get back to quote-unquote real yeah be responsible for a while so you can go again well, I want to know what is one uh, meal that pops to mind, or you can do more if you'd like, of that adventure. And then what is a what lessons came from that experience? Because what an incredible! I lived in Germany when I was in high school uh, on a military base, and I got to go all over, and I loved it, and I miss it right now. I was actually thinking of opening by saying this looks like a day in Germany right now. But <laughs> uh, what are some meals or a meal that especially sticks to mind? You know, they laughed at me because it's like street food. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the equivalent of somebody here getting a taco, I guess, or, you know, a, a hot dog, something really basic. But there was these things in the Netherlands. They sold them out of, like, food truck bending kind of things. And they called them, I think, croquetten or something like that. And they're just sort of this, like, goulash inside a crust that's fried. 
like a bread bowl type. Well, the crust was just breading. Mm. So it was almost like, you know, you get like a mozzarella cheese stick. It sure. was like that. But instead of cheese in the middle, it was sort of a goulash stew thing. Oh, cool. So they'd sell those and they'd give you a bun and you stick it in the bun and then smash it. And so it creates your sandwich filling. And I loved them. And they thought I was awful because I loved them. <laughs> but I still think about those. And every now and again, I'd look up, look for them online trying to decide if I could cook them. No, but that's so cool. I mean, most people have probably never even heard of that food choice mm. before. <laughs> I know I haven't. That, 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 see, this is the amazing thing about travel mm. and entering into this new world where you don't know what the signs say. And someone, there's at least the first day I was in Germany, there was a lady screaming who was probably 98 years old who was swinging a, a walking stick at uh, cars and screaming schnell, which of course means zu schnell, too fast, too fast. <laughs> but it's just like where it's the beauty and the, the the scariness of it is all the new things. What did doing six weeks of a travel like that give you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, it was a chance to just be off on my own because I went by myself. So it was sort of a, a confidence builder, I guess. I would never have thought to do it except that I worked with somebody who had done it. Okay. And I heard her talking about it and I thought, well, that sounds really fun. And I was working at a newspaper and we had foreign correspondence. So, you know, I would work on their copy, take field, take phone calls from them. This was back in the 80s and you had apartheid going on. We had a guy in South Africa and he would call in and talk to us about his stories. So I felt like I was always on the phone with people in cool places, but never got to go. So for me, it was it was a chance to say, fine, I'm going this time. Yeah. Uh, the paper wasn't going to send me, but, you know, I was willing to quit my job, take all the cash I had and go. It's amazing. I feel like I would love to someday ask you more about that. So cool. I would be remiss if I did not ask you, what are your favorite donut combinations here? <laughs> Most of the time, I just eat the little crunchy pieces that are left over because at the end of the batter, it doesn't make a whole donut, so the pieces that come out are really small, and they get crunchy like cookies. That's what I usually nibble on all day. I would say my favorite relatively plain donut is the cinnamon sugar, and when they're still warm, they are awesome. I wish that we were able to do that all the time, but we can't constantly fry. So, But when we are frying, if somebody comes in, a lot of times I will just go and hand out cinnamon donuts because I think they're so good. I want to share them. That special right after they've yeah, been right. moment. You yeah. Give them enough time to cool off so they don't burn somebody. But other than that, they're really tasty when they're hot. And the cinnamon sugar just seems like the right thing for them. Can't put anything else on it because they'll slide off. But the cinnamon sugar sticks that way. Minimalist. Yeah. But if I'm putting toppings on, favorite thing has to have chocolate icing because that's always where I go. I like... Pistachios, bananas, honey, and a little bit of sea salt. Oh, interesting. I think you actually had me make one of those because <laughs> I asked you, unless maybe that's wrong, I because know. I was just like, give well, it me. It wouldn't have been pistachios because we only added you, those. You probably didn't have that. Okay, that right. sounds like a less traditional option there, but I know I had sea salt. Mm -hmm. And I know at the time I remember being like, I had sea salt on a donut, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it just adds a little bit of extra, an extra taste that you don't expect. I mean, people are used to the idea of salted caramel, but you can do the sea salt on a lot of different things and it just gives it a little pop of flavor. Absolutely. Well, to close out, is there any, uh, let's get the hours that people can check it out. Any <laughs> advice for if you want to catch these cinnamon sugars right when they... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you can always count on it first thing in the morning. So if you happen to be driving by seven, maybe a little bit before seven, the door is usually open even if we're not quite open. Yeah. You can catch us then if you want a hot donut. The rest of the time we're frying according to demand, so we never know whether it's going to be hot or not. And we don't have a hot sign. We are open Tuesday through Saturday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sundays we don't open till 11, and then we're open 11 to 3, and then we're closed on Monday. We are at 810 Medical Center Parkway, which is the U.S. Bank Center. We're on the part of Medical Center that used to be Loki. That confuses a lot of people yeah. because when you tell them you're on Medical Center, they assume you're out by the avenue. We've had people call us. They were lost, and they were way out by the interstate. So we usually tell them we're across the street from the back of Toots. Th th that's right. That's Because that's a special landmark in Murfreesboro, too, is, is Toots itself. 
Any other thing you want to plug? We've got actual customers entering right now, so <laughs> I want to let you get back to it. But anything else? I mean, we'll be working on some Valentine's things soon, and we're always open to people's suggestions. So if there's a topping that we don't have, always ask, because sometimes I have it in the back, like I've used it for some project. Sure. The example, we have someone asked for Reese's. I have Reese cups in the back, but only because I use them for something we did a special order. But they're not on the menu because I don't have that many of them. So always ask. And if there's something that we don't have, we're willing to try it. Excellent. And do you guys have an email or something if people want to reach out to you? That's um, artfuldonut at gmail.com. And we spell donut D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T. That's worth uh, mentioning for sure. Because I'm a copy editor. True that. Well, thanks so much, Nancy. I appreciate the time today and I hope you have a great Friday. Well, thank you. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I think it was amazing that she had traveled, had quit her job at age 24 and traveled for those six weeks. That was something that I had no idea going into that interview. What a, what a cool surprise. Not only had she gone on the adventure of creating a business, but that too was quite the adventure. While I'm on this adventure of creating this podcast, I'd like to open up the opportunity for you to contribute. If you're enjoying this podcast and you have suggestions, comments, ideas for guests, ideas for topics, I am considering the idea of doing a, a Q&A episode or something like that. If you would like to get in touch with me, of course, you can either do that on social media or you can email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. Again, that is Aaron at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. And we may feature questions and comments and things in a future episode. As promised, I have a special code for you. If you would like to check out the wonderful donuts at the Artful Donut, you can use the code word NORWAY and you will get buy one, get one free for up to three donuts. Again, that code is NORWAY, and it will also offer, in addition to a way for you to get an excellent deal on donuts, it offers the ability for you to share the, the audience of this podcast if it helps her know the reach that occurred because of that interview. So again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. There will be a new conversation coming next Tuesday on Epic Ordinary Lives. Take care.